Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really pleased to have with me on the line, Jeff Coyle. Jeff is the co-founder and chief product officer at MarketMuse. Their mission is to help improve search performance for publishers, content creators, and e-commerce managers using various tools to analyze content. With over 20 years of experience as an inbound marketing executive from different disciplines, Jeff applies that knowledge base to helping companies grow through better content content every time they publish. It's going to be a great conversation today. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Awesome. So I went through your product today and we had a little bit of a discussion in a pre-call and I don't want to steal your thunder too much, but I do want to challenge you on a few things. Can you please take a minute and tell us who you are, what you do and what makes you and your product so amazing? Sure. So I'm, as you mentioned, Jeff Coyle, I'm the co-founder of MarketMuse. And MarketMuse is a content intelligence platform that really sets the standard for content quality. And so my background is, comes from, I come from computer science background. I went to Georgia Tech, originally from Jersey, came down here, stayed down here. Now I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and really co-founded MarketMuse in about 2015. Really focused on what I learned during the first 17 years of my career. And it's that content workflows are painful and manual, and a lot of them are subjective. And what I wanted to bring was kind of data-driven insights about content that speeds up the workflows of creators, speeds up the workflows of search engine optimization professionals, and make sure that everybody in the room knows that the most important thing we have is expertise and editorial excellence. So when I can give those folks superpowers with technology, everyone wins and everybody can get aligned along with those, you know, most common performance metrics like, you know, building authority, generating, you know, engagement, engaging content. Um, And that's what we focus on. We want to bring teams together around, you know, concepts like authority and power and momentum, because everybody wants that. It gets value for every silo, no matter how functional or dysfunctional your organization can be. And it comes through the shared understanding that expertise really matters. Wow. What a great explanation. What I want to zoom in here on is that Mm -hmm. you are not just another AI copywriter, right? Right. right? This is not a Jarvis lookalike. This isn't riffing off of, uh, you know, just creating a bunch of, uh, you know, concatenating a bunch of words together and hoping that they stick. Right. What's the secret sauce here? Like what's like, what's so different about this versus the other applications that are out there now? All right. So, Good question. So yeah, very familiar with those folks. We have a natural language generation platform built into our platform. We only implement it against certain use cases. And we're able to build and generate inspirational text that's really focused on being used 
by writers as you know ways that one could cover it where they can adapt that and use it as inspiration. We take four writers and four kind of building out a content brief that gives you an outline, gives you topics to cover, gives you questions to answer, internal and external linking recommendations. And we model what it means to be an expert on the topics that are looking to be covered. And that's a very different uh, workflow to say, here's what it means to be an expert on this concept. If you were writing a great article about this, here's the questions you would answer. And then also bringing competitive analysis into the into the mix. So like if your writer's looking at this, they get a candidate outline of the article. Here's a one way you could cover it. Here's competitive differentiation elements. So, hey, nobody's covering this by thinking about these concepts. You should do that to differentiate yourself. But it's table stakes for you to cover these things. So we not only give them insights as to a possible way to cover it, you know, structurally things that could be included. We also tell them how to be differentiated, which is a beautiful thing for writers. And at the page level, that's what we provide. It's very unique. We do work within the natural language generation and natural language processing space. So we're able to do everything that a a writer can do. It's just we're very selective with the way that we implement that data um, because we don't want people taking that content and writing crap, just to be blunt. And then we do that at the site level as well. So we will give you insights at your entire site level to tell you where you have strengths and weaknesses, where you have low quality content, where somebody did write 50 articles with a low quality AI writer, publish it, and it had no impact. And it may be taking, bringing your site down as an anchor almost. Uh, We can provide insights to say, you know, here's your cluster of content about, you know, coffee cups, and you've written nine articles about it. Two of them are great. Seven of them need work, and here's why. And we can give you the all the steps to improve them. And here's the, the punchline here, Jeff, is the reason why we're different is because AI and writing is should be AI and content. It's the entire content life cycle. That's research. That's planning. That's prioritization. That's briefing. So you get on the same uh, page with your writer. Then it's writing and editing and improvements and optimize, optimization over time. You know, except for in storytelling, you know, starting with the end doesn't really work with content. And what we find is that people think that they're going to punch in a word or a thesis statement and get something that's usable. You wouldn't do that with an outsourced writer. Have you ever, you would hire somebody off of, you know, Fiverr and have them write an article and you plop it on your homepage that without even looking at it, without even improving that, why would you do that with artificial intelligence? So if you're going to use it as clay, that's meant to be molded, beautiful. Does it speed you up? Does it improve the overall quality of your content? Does it allow you to do things you couldn't do before? If the answer to all those things are yes, wonderful. If not, don't do it. There's great use cases for artificial intelligence in writing. But a lot of what's being sold as a Swiss army knife when it's actually a pruning shear or a paring knife, and that's what we're seeing right now, is a lot of people think that this is all things for everyone and it's crashing sites. And I have to listen to them cry all the time. I started doing this. I put out 1,400 pages. I spiked. I got, traffic was through the roof. And then all of a sudden, it crashed. What do we do? You know. And that's what we're starting to see. It's very similar to the phenomenon with people using uh, keyword density and, and term frequency to optimize content, basically doing what your competitors do. Yeah, it looks real great. You have a spike. And then, uh-oh. And then you don't know how to recover it because you were basically trying to trick somebody, you know, publishing artificial intelligence content 
without review and without annotation, implementation, and integration into your site is a disaster. It tells the story that you're not looking to tell. It tells the story that you're not an expert. It tells the story that you write articles that aren't integrated into your site, which makes no sense. You know, so there's so many pieces. And then the worst case scenario is natural language generation content requires review for fact checking. It's not naturally fact checked. So you can tell somebody, you know, the best, you know, place to go visit when you're going to Fort Lauderdale is the Atlanta Aquarium. Like what? No, that's not. And and, you, and if you don't review that, that's our. I have seen that. That's a super bad. I have seen some of these, like, and it's like really bad. It just really what it does is that it, well, first of all, it messes with my OCD, <laughs> right? It just mess. It, you know, it's like I read it. It's like like I can't even read forward. I just have to just get this thing off my screen, right? And how like you know when I see people doing it, the thing about AI writers in general is that you know as a digital marketer. I really want to, want and wanted to buy into the hype. Like I really wanted to like, okay, is this thing really going to make my life easier? Is this thing really going to increase the output of my team? Is this really going to help us become better writers? And I binged on a lot of YouTube videos of people explaining this stuff, right? And I tried to replicate those results and I just couldn't do it for myself. I couldn't get past that mental block of, well, I have to start, you know, so not only do I get this basic outline or, you know, whatever, you know, title generations, uh, you know, that things like that do for you, but then it's just like, you know, the ones that are wrong or the ones that aren't fact checked, it's like, wait a second, this is actually taking me more time to write and to check than if I would have just wrote the whole thing myself. Yeah. Right. Or, or outsourced it to somebody who can do that. Yeah. What, that, oh, yeah oh, what do you tell people when they, you know, when they come at you with these you know, with like, you know, when they compare you to these other softwares, like, like, how does that conversation come out? Yeah, I, I always say it's, it's like, you've got to measure everything the same way, right? And you had the punchline, it's how long did it take you? Or do you want to develop that skill? Because using generation as part of the process for inspiration for content require, it's a skill that needs to be developed and it can be very valuable with what Market Muse has where you're looking at the competitive landscape, the topic model, the brief, and then an inspirational generation, right? I've adopted that in my own writing and in my own efforts, and I have developed that skill. It does speed me up, right? But if you get, it depends on the quality of the generation. Um, And if that's highly variable, it can really throw off your dynamic. For us, what we do is we build a brief, that you can validate and then that's used to build out structures. And so what that does is it makes sure that it's more of the possible guardrails or or guide rails are followed. And then it's more likely to be a reasonable fit, Um, but it's never fit to be, it should never be sorted because frankly, once you publish something, you're liable for it, you know? And so you put something out there that's, that's a challenge, you know, you need to be giving people the guardrails I want to do more things in this space, but I'm, some of the technology elements aren't there yet. We're going to be a hit and pause for a little bit until some of the stuff we can do with the fact checking and all that kind of thing. But what I would say for somebody who's comparing us to that, it's how do you know that's the article that you should be writing? How do you make the decision that that's the article you should be creating or that you should be updating? How much time did it take you? Do you know your content efficiency rates? how many articles you created or updated motions 
and how frequently are they successful at your KPIs, right? So is this increasing your volume, but not increasing your efficiency? Is this increasing both, right? Those are the questions I ask because what I look to do is break the triangle, you know, fast, cheap, and good. Market Muse, if you use these workflows, more of the content you create will be successful because we can tell you how much we can predict what's going to be successful for your site, personalized metrics for difficulty. So for you, you should definitely do this. And the way I always talk about this is I can go write a 20,000 word, the most beautiful article ever written about the brand new iPhone, beautiful pictures, gets really into it. It really exhibits expertise. If I go throw that on jeffstips.com, it's not going to do well. I could throw that same article on CNET and it's going to crush it. The reason isn't just links. The reason is because I don't have the coverage, the breadth, the depth, the quality, the history doing reviews of mobile devices, other types of reviews, right? I don't have that on my site. I don't have those citations, but they do. So if I'm using an AI writer on jeffstips.com to go write me a thing, it wouldn't have mattered how I wrote that article. It's a foundation building effort. And so I need to write hundreds of articles about those things in order to build enough foundation so that I can be successful, right? Now, three little pigs, fans everywhere, right? Would you build your foundation with sticks or should you build it with bricks? And I'd equate generated content that isn't fact-checked, that isn't checked, as like building these foundations for authority with sticks and the profit of building them with bricks. And the way you do that is to build comprehensive content that tells the story that you're an expert, tells the story you know the information journey, the buyer journey, the prospect journey, whatever the case may be of your business. And then I say, you know, would you really take a blind outsourcer you've never met before and throw that stuff on your billion-dollar B2B technology blog? And Yeah, that's kind of risky. I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, bananas. But we, we're starting to see it. We're starting to see it. I mean, and you can you can sense it. It passes the Turing test, right? It doesn't pass the creative writing test. You know, you get to a thing, it's like, how do you, what's the best way to store your motorcycle, right? I can't wait to talk about storing motorcycles today. In this article, we'll explore ways to store a motorcycle. Storing a motorcycle can be a fun endeavor. Let's get into it. You know, that's what you get because that's the way that generalist models write. You need topic-specific models, which is what we create. So let's zoom out a little bit. And this is really part of your, you know, this is part of your one big tip, which is you should be using AI to analyze your content. You should be using AI to at least give you that kickstart Mm -hmm. to figure out what it is that you should be talking about. And I agree with you 100%. You can't just hire a general blogger and ask them to write about, you know, uh, financial security or, you know, for certified financial planners and then switch gears to self-storage containers, things like that. Right. You know, they're not going to be an expert and it's just, the content is just going to sound kind of bland. How do you help or how do you see AI technology like really helping here, especially as it's, uh, it's becoming more intelligent, you know, in 2022 and beyond. Right. But you know, it really started out as just, this concatenation of words that didn't make sense. And it was just, you know, like trying to throw things together. And it's like, well, it doesn't make sense in, in any brand of English around the world. Right. It's just like, dude, like what the hell is this? Uh, How do you see that coming about? So generation is one thing, but the other branches of artificial intelligence that are really important are, you know, for us is topic modeling. So it's basically saying, what does it mean to be an expert on a concept? 
What are the concepts that if you were writing an article about this or a collection of articles, you would have covered those well? And then, so when I, when I'm talking about using artificial intelligence in your, with your content organization, your content strategy practice, it comes into three main things. I wouldn't imagine using data to not help me make decisions about what I should create, what I should update and how much I should create an update and do that predictably. The big tip is get your mirrors straight. Check out how much content you have updated. Look at last year if you want. How much content did you publish and how many updates did you do? How long did each of those take you? And how successful were them? Average teams will be about 10%. That's terrible. I mean, it's just pitiful because you ask them how much content did they, how much did each article cost or how much if per unit, they'll say, you know, I don't know, $500. But the reality in that scenario is at 10% efficiency, you're looking at $5,000 to build and publish something that has a degree of success. Now imagine you change that hit rate, the batting average from 10% to 20 to 30 to 40%. All of a sudden, that all the downstream processes you do become dramatically amplified. So using artificial intelligence to try to understand where you have strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and gaps can deliver more efficiency no matter how you build the content, right? That's the first piece. And that's what changes teams. That's what gets you more budget, more trust. And then obviously follow through with the most beautiful content you have. The best way to do that is to take quality away from subjectivity and make it objective. Objective meaning, does this comply with a brief? Does this comprehensively cover the topic? And both of those two things can be measured with AI. So that's what we bring to the table is measuring the quality and comprehensiveness of content in an objective way. So I know don't ask Joe to write about Linux because when he writes about Linux, he phones it in. When he writes about Windows, he writes beautiful, comprehensive, successful articles, right? And think about that. If I'm a publisher, I know I know how to you know, place my resources. I also know who I can rely on, who's going to need more edits. You know, you basically can turn that into a almost like money ball for content, right? It's, it's, it's really just what you should do and then also putting the right people in the right shoes. So what kind of tips would you give someone to help come up with those concepts, right? Because AI can't. So first of all, I think the one thing that nobody really talks about is that this technology and, you know, in, in I'm talking tool agnostic, I'm not talking about yours or like any other, right. right. But just in general, you have to seed it with some, with something intelligent. You have to seed it with a, right. you know, with a long tail keyword string, you have to seed it with some kind of description and then, you know, it can like go to work and at least start to put together a base. Right. What kind of tips would you give? for someone who needs to create that seed? What are the elements that go into creating the seed that in turn gives you better content on the output? That's one of my favorite questions ever. I love that. So the three, it depends on where you are with your site. And that's one reason why we made our, we call it a seeding process. Actually, we, we create what we call a topic universe generation process. So the three main seeding components are your stuff, the stuff you want to be, and then everybody else's stuff. Just the way easiest way to think about it. So you can think about it as three possible main core inputs. One is your stuff. So look, make sure the mirror is clear. Read all of your content, whether you're using technology to, to read it, crawling it. However you're evaluating all of your content, understand your breadth of coverage, 
your depth of coverage, the quality of that coverage, and then the momentum, the contribution to your overall success metrics that each of those pages and sections have to your site. So you got to know your stuff. That's your inventory. The second is, what do you want to be? So my CEO says, we need to own this topic, or you have a keyword list that you've researched out of your favorite keyword research tool. We have a beautiful keyword research solution. We also manage the largest keyword database in the world. It's a data that we provide for other solutions that you've probably used as well. We're the people behind the people with a lot of data in the space. And so if you've got that word list, bring it in, but evaluate it against your content. So if you say, I want to own Orange Gatorade, okay, on your coffee cup site, and you look at it and you're like, we've never written about sports drinks. We've never written about Gatorade. We've never written about, okay, we've got a lot of work to do, right? That's the effort that you're going through. The third is competitors. So you can analyze their site just like you can analyze yours. And I actually, I'm a huge proponent of a competitive cohort analysis processes where you're looking at how much content they create, the speed at which they create it, the success that they have, where they have gaps, because their gaps are good for you. If they're standing still, I call it the Ross. What's their risk of standing still? If they've got some deep Ross, you can take advantage of that. If they're zombies, they haven't published in years, they don't update their content. You're looking for that, right? So my biggest tip is uh, in this dynamic is know yourself, know what you want to be, and then know your competitors. And that's going to give you the inspiration and an understanding of how much content needs to be created or updated. Great example of this for a brand new site. We do this a lot. I want to own baby strollers. Okay. You got to write 240 articles on these topics and you will have a chance at getting to this much traffic in this much time. If your provider can't do that or you can't do that, find someone that can because it's very predictable. And you might also go, oh, gosh, I don't want to create 240 articles. That seems expensive. Okay, well, you could niche down. Well, then you're welcome to pay for the traffic. Yeah, you could niche down and focus on double and twin strollers with this site and focus the site around everything you'd want to focus on for twins, right? That's a possible way to niche down. You can knock that out with 80 articles about these topics, right? So get into that type of a skill set. There's very few people that have that skill set, but there is technology that can support that. It's really hard to do manually. Uh, niche hunting. It's a very tough skill for brand new sites. For big old sites, if you run a big network, big sites, even harder. You ask somebody, first question, how often do you do a content inventory? We don't. Once a year? What is that? Um, yeah, you know, that's those like are a site audit answers. and it's like, oh geez, that's uh, what you to do, man. Site audits are horrible. They produce big old, big old PowerPoints or 200 page things. Great. There's so many different pieces, you know, there's technical auditing, there's rankings based auditings, uh, there's parlor games, as I call them, like, you know, uh, looking at the stuff, that's parlor games. Yeah, yeah, looking at the stuff that's on page two and telling you, hey, go update those articles, and then they'll get the page one. Cool. That's true, by the way. Yeah, it's a good place to start. It's not an audit, right? You, but in, in market news, you can just set those parameters and see exactly what your quick wins are. And we can use your momentum and your breadth and depth of coverage to even better inform the reliability of that prediction. Whereas a lot of people just use that as a back of pocket and say, hey, if you're ranking seven with an article that's not that good, right? Improve it and you might rank six, right? That's what a lot of audits basically come down to, right? So do that. First of all, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. But make sure your content's great. Make sure it's beautiful, like as part of those audits. And then you can kind of 
like I always like to say, we have a unfair, we, we have an unfair advantage if you use artificial intelligence. The the unfair competitive advantage is every article you can create, you can make sure that it's equal to or better than all of your competitors every time from the lens of quality and comprehensiveness. And if you do that, all the other techniques and strategy has the best chance to win. So even if you don't get to decide what content you create, like you're just a peon or it gets mandated from the top, you can at least put your company's best foot forward with that article that you were ordered to create. So maybe next time they pass the cup around and you're like, see what I did with the stuff you told me to do? Imagine if I got to do the stuff I wanted to do. Um, and and you know, so, so you can get into those kind of motions. So really think about who you are, what you want to be. If you're not big and you haven't written a lot of stuff, look at look around, try to get predictive. And what that's going to do is it's going to take your 10% hit rate up to 20. And when you get that, when you, the earlier you are in the funnel, when you start making the changes that win, the better the outcomes are. It's just math, right? And so wouldn't you rather optimize before you put pen to paper than just and throw a dart at it, right? So let me ask you something. Pray and pray. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Let's define better. Okay. You know, I hear that a lot. Quality content, you know, quality compared to what? You know, there was one time on this podcast, I interviewed a professor in rhetoric. You know, it's part of the New York State uh, University system. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah she, yeah. she totally blew me away. Right. And I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, how am I going to be able to compete with this? Right. So her definition of quality content is going to be different than your definition of quality content, different than mine yep. and the writers that I have on staff. So let's talk about that for a minute. What goes into quality content and what are we really looking for here? Because I'm not looking to become a, you know, a high school or college level English teacher in order to support my business, right? right? I'm looking to create quality content for my clients and, you know, get it out the door so that it helps them rank better. What is better? I've got a really good answer for this. And I'm it's so funny that you asked it. And it's the way that I describe product market maturity in text editors. So your brain, like, what? What is he talking about? Okay, so the first time you ever, a product maturity, if you first time you ever used a spell checker, you were like, what's this voodoo? Oh my gosh, this couldn't possibly work. Now could you imagine writing without a spell checker? The first time you ever saw a grammar or tone editor, Hemingway, Grammarly, you were like, whoa, this could never provide insights that could improve my grammar and improve my tone and voice right? The next, now, could you imagine, I mean, could you imagine not using Grammarly? I just don't know. I don't know. Like, go, buy stock, go buy a stock in Grammarly or whatever you possibly can or Hemingway or whatever the um, solution that you're using. The next frontier on that is knowledge assistance. So what we're providing is that next frontier for updating existing content so that it exhibits expertise and ex exhibiting expertise from our perspective, is what are the concepts that one would naturally cover if they truly knew what they were talking about on this concept, on this topic? And that's what we provide. So we measure quality in the form of quality and comprehensiveness. We have the preset expectation that you're going to be grammatically, tonally, and spelling appropriate with your content. What we can't yet measure, except from correlation, and by the way, this is, I believe, another new frontier is going to be, and, I, and I'll explain what I mean by correlation, is going to be uh, 
devices in use and usage that would lend itself to engagement. But the next, I think the next frontier for that is going to be massive scale language analysis against uh, against conversion and engagement data in a machine learning model. There's already companies starting to do that. We don't do that solely based on topic authority, your own site's momentum, and those concepts being and answers answers to questions and topics being included that would signal that you're an expert. I want there to be an all around package that tells that other thing. Because I would love for be able to read an article and go boring, right? That would be one thing that I would love. I was actually on a, talking about on a podcast about this yesterday. It's like, yeah, uh, the output of the, what we do. If you're not focused on excitement and engagement, you can produce some real boring stuff, right? It's comprehensive and it's not engaging. You've got to have that. You still got to be subjective in that lens because if you produce this article and it is, you know, not all that exciting, you know, that's on you. You've got to still do that, right? And, you know, there isn't yet a wonderful way of doing that without it being kind of correlation, which means you write it where it looks at a pool of items and it gives you kind of like traits of success and it can give you some tips on that. But I don't like that type of analysis. I think there needs to be a better way and, you know, machine learning models are the way to do that. I just haven't built it yet. Somebody will. Yeah. Somebody will come around and, uh, you know, just blow us all away with this. Hey, look what this new robot can do. That's awesome. I am. Yeah, think about it. Think about it though. And it's a great idea. Read all the articles on the web Uh, try to get some mass data on click-through rates and engagement and scrolling and all that stuff, and then try to provide insights on what's engaging and not. So that was almost IBM's Watson's take on it. You know, they really, uh, you know, they put that machine learning against, against a contestant on Jeopardy. Right. And it was actually able to work pretty well. And what was that, like 10, 12 years ago? Yeah. Right. You know, imagine where that stuff is coming at now, you know, and, uh, you know, if it hasn't proved, they just haven't publicized it yet. I see it. I see. I've seen models of that explicit thing, and it's going to come out. I've seen real bad ones. I've seen good ones. Luckily, in this space and kind of being in the you know marketing artificial intelligence community, I get to kind of see stuff. I mean, there's some amazing companies doing that for other data, other types of data. You know, you know, Mad Kudu is one that does predictive lead scoring using your demo firmo and Likelihood to buy metrics from your site can take all the con. Yeah, I mean, it can predict when someone's on the site. Basically, are, do they have a likelihood to buy? Right, and so there's if you if, if people can do that, you can do that with Google Analytics data. It's just hasn't been built yet. Amazing, amazing yeah. stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. For sure. Jeff, can you let everyone know? a little bit about how to find you guys yep. and how they can reach out to you directly if they have any further questions. Absolutely. Um, so my email, jeff at marketmuse.com, please reach out, feedback. If you're ask a question about what we're doing, um, I'm on Twitter, Jeffrey underscore coil. Please, I'm always there. Answer all my DMs. Please check it out. I talk about you know, 90% SEO and content, 10% beer on there. So, and then, uh, yeah, go check out Market Muse, uh, book a demo, uh, marketmuse.com slash book dash demo. Uh, we'll set up a personalized premium experience that gives you some insights. I mean, in that discussion, you'll probably get two or three articles that you should update. that are going to have the most meaningful impact on your business. And that's worth any price of admission. So yeah, give it a shot. Check it out. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. 
This was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time and break it down. And I love nerding out on this stuff. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. See ya. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.